0: Well, this week we are back on our uh, trekking through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we, this is our 13th part of the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Of course, we took a break from it last week with Easter, uh, but I think it was a good break. And uh, My wife really encouraged me to go that direction, and it was, I think it was the right decision. Uh, But this week we're going to be cruising through Matthew chapter 7 verses 7 through 12. So as you're turning there, I'm going to go ahead and read Matthew chapter 7 verses 7 through 12. And it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if he asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for sheep, will give him a snake? If you then, know, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up The law and the prophets here we are that we're told by jesus to ask and to seek and to knock and when we begin to look at look at this we for one of the first things we have to understand is we have to ask and seek and knock in confidence our confidence level plays in such a huge role the word of god tells us there in James chapter 1 verses 6 through 8 says but when he asks just talking about a man when he asks he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind that man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord he is a double minded man unstable in all he does now this guy has asked it's not just in the asking but it's in the in the the how you're asking i mean my kids have come up to me before and asked me for things and you could tell by the way they were asking they they were expecting me to deny them their request Dan, can i can, I, can I have a brownie you know you can just tell by the way they sheepishly are sitting there you know they're just they're just ready for the no they almost just start walking away you're like yeah you can have a brownie what what i can have a brownie I've already had one. I didn't tell you. All right, you can have a second brownie. Oh, I can have a second brownie. That's not the way God wants us to approach him. He wants us to approach him in confidence. Confidence is so needed in any, in any aspect of whenever we're really purposing to accomplish something. It is so important. With These pro athletes, man, they, they're coaches and all that do stuff to, to protect those athletes confidence because so many times at that level the talent difference isn't a huge disparity but the guy who thinks he's going to complete the pass is way more likely to complete the pass than the guy who thinks he's going to throw a duck it's just confidence level is so huge Abraham Lincoln of course held the the highest office in the United States and for him to be able to fulfill that office in such a tumultuous time he had to find a place of confidence. One of the things is is that uh, there was a, a short story called Contents of a Dead Man's Pockets. A guy who had committed suicide and he throws himself off of the deal. And, and talk about what was inside this man's pockets. Well Abe Lincoln when he was assassinated had pockets. And there were the contents. And those contents are kept right now at the Library of Congress. And there were five things... In Abraham Lincoln's pockets. One of those things was a handkerchief that was embroidered with a dot Lincoln. It was his handkerchief. Another one was an old country boy's pin knife. Just a little just a little pocket knife that he had in his pocket. Another thing was a thing to hold his to hold his uh, his glasses his spectacles and the hinge had actually broken and he had repaired it himself with a piece of string. The President of the United States, had, it was uh, this homemade rigged. My wife picks on me for rigging stuff all the time. But hey, puts me in good company with Abraham Lincoln. And uh, the other thing that he had was that he had this little like, coin purse thing that had $5 in it of Confederate money. Isn't that crazy? $5 of Confederate money that he kept on his person. You can only begin to speculate why he might have had that in his pocket but the last thing the fifth thing is the thing that I think is the most intriguing is he kept in his pocket some old and worn newspaper clippings and these newspaper clippings were about himself and of course he was a a very hated man it was the There was so much written negative about him, even from people up north who just felt like he had done a a poor job of dealing with the war, dragging it out too long, all these different stuff. But these, these clippings that he carried in his pocket that were worn, that had been read over and over again, were about the people who talked about how good of a job that he was doing. People who talked about that he was a hero and that history was going to talk about the wonderful contributions that he had made. Even in that office, in that high office, with all that kind of stuff, he had to find a place of confidence to remind himself. And here this this great man that we think of led our nation in one of the most tumultuous things, kept these little clippings in there so he could read them and remind himself that there were some people who believed in him. Confidence is just absolutely so vital and we whenever we ask and seek and knock we have to know that we are approaching a God who loves us and cares about us there has to be this place of confidence because James one tells us if we don't do it in a place of confidence if we're doubting we're not going to get anything from God we're going between two opinions <clears throat> we have to make sure that we're believing that God is going to do what it is we're Requested of him. Well, and when we ask, we have, we understand and we see that when we ask something of God, that we are acknowledging that He is our source. So many times, people think, "Well, God, God, He sees me. He knows. Why didn't He just provide it? Why didn't He just Why He just do it?" You know,
1: <clears throat> the reason is is that we get back to the fact that we are choosers in this world. Deuteronomy chapter 30 19 i'll say it and i'll say it and i'll say it that we've been set before us life and death blessing and cursing and it, he has told us to choose that is part of the fruit that we're enjoying no pun intended whenever humanity ate of the tree of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil we are aware we have an, a knowledge a mental awareness that blessing exists and cursing exists that both are available both are right here both can happen and we have to reassure ourselves and that the that what God has promised he does and will provide and that we choose that and when as we're asking God we are recognizing that his realm of blessing is available to us God I'm choosing your way I'm, I'm asking for what you have the world can dish out all of this other stuff but I'm not choosing that I'm choosing what you have. I'm acknowledging that you are my source and, and what you have promised, that is what I'm laying hold of. Whenever we ask and we petition to God, we are aligning ourselves with him and what he has promised. And we are understanding that God is our source. When Cutie and I got married, we, uh, we met spring break and we were married New year's eve nine months later it was not a long courtship we had not known each other a long time we get married that by the following spring break i mean just a year after we meet i've got the opportunity um to to go into to ministry i got the opportunity to go into ministry and my position was uh being the janitor i was a janitor slash pastor in training and i'd worked here locally at the super high paying job of landscaper. I was a landscape helper, I dug holes. So of course you can just know how much money that pays. Well being the janitor of the church paid half of that. So it wasn't, uh, it was a, uh, a step down and pay but my wife was a nanny here in, here in town and she made decent money and so we prayed and I just knew this was what I was supposed to do. So we said, we said yes said yes there's going to be have to tighten the belt a little bit but we uh we said said yes and i just could not wait to begin to to enter into ministry and and doing that what's well, not long afterwards that we have an opportunity to go through some training for ministry in the church <clears throat> that we were a part of was doing the school of ministry well, as we begin to pray we really felt like that both of us needed to it wasn't just me that both of us needed to go through this and so as we were seeking god god just kept telling us that she was supposed to go through it well, she had to get off an hour early on one day a week to go through the school well this, the the way that the the schedule worked and she hired on to be there for this certain schedule she just the, the schedules just did not mesh and so we kept going back god you know, the the lady's saying, no, we can't have off the hour early. What's the deal? You know, we got to eat. You know, what's, what's the deal here? Well, long story short, pretty soon, all we just kept hearing is that we knew that that's where she was supposed to be. So she ends up and, and we find out that our first uh, child is on the way. And uh, we wanted her to, felt like she was going to be a stay-at-home mom anyways. And we just felt like God had told us that she was she was to go to school of ministry and and shifted. And we all of a sudden went from from two incomes to an income and a half to half an income. But very much on seeking God and very much with his direction, not just throw ourselves out there. And God provide it all it was very much in obedience to God. But we live that way. years and God showed us time and time again that he was our provider that he was our source and we would come to God and God would provide for us over and over and over again just proving to us that he was the one that was the one that was going to take care of our needs we have to understand when we go to God that he is our source and that as we've done everything that we know is required of us there were times that I'd get a roofing job. And extra money would come in because I'd roof on the weekends. You know, there were times that people would actually just drop money in our hands. And, and just give us a check. You know, there were <clears throat> different things. It was always different. But God was consistently proving himself. God is our source. And when we align ourselves with him. And we put ourselves where we, where we recognize that. We put ourselves in a place to, to receive God's blessing, we have to understand that God is our true source. In this time where, that we're living in, with everything being kind of rocky and crazy economically, man, it is so easy if you see your stack of money in the bank as your source, to all of a sudden your knees start knocking. Or a lot of people thinking they've had really good jobs, and all of a sudden layoffs start happening, and their knees start knocking. You know, it can be a scary, scary time, and that's why we have to so have it secure in our hearts that God is the one who is our provider. He is the one our source. He called Himself Jehovah Jireh, our God who provides. That's not a name we made up. He said, "Call me that." I'm. I'm. He is. He's he the original. What is it called? Uh, Sugar daddy. He called, he's the original. He called himself Jehovah Jireh. That's that's Hebrew for sugar daddy. And uh, that God is the one who takes care of us. He's the one that provides. Let's look at 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 through 15. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Okay, just a little pause there. Do you want to know God's will? Read the Bible. That's one of the reasons why we are tracking through together. We launched this past Monday on our Bible reading together. And uh, if hopefully y'all are enjoying it. Hopefully y'all are tracking along. If not, just jump right in with us. It's, it's, uh, there's some handouts at the back and it's on the website. Um, but as we read God's word, we begin to see his will for our lives, will for us to be provided for, to live in health, to, to, to be above and not beneath. It says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Matthew 6, 8 says, do not be like them for your father knows what you need even before you ask him. He's talking about the people who are sitting there and getting all wrapped up, all wrapped up in, in all of the asking, asking, and just this repetitive, repetitive, repetitive deal. God wants us to know that he understands our needs, but we have to choose him as our source. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do Immeasurably more than we are able to ask or even imagine, according to the power at work within us. That ask or imagine—you begin to look at it, and it's—and it's not just that fanciful imagination, like the imagination that creates these these fantasy worlds. But it's that. <clears throat> another translation says, "Whatever we can ask or think." What it gets back down to that thing is what, whatever we begin to see as reality, whatever we begin to see as reality, that's where God does even more. It's not that fanciful, oh, I think God can do $100 million. Okay, well, we go, so, oh, yeah, God can do $100 million. The deal is you got to get real honest and say, can God give you a $1,000 today if you need it? Will God? take care of that for you if that's your need and that's what you're and all of a sudden whenever we get really down to the rubber meets the road it begins to reveal our real thinking process and how we see God it's that kind of ask or think and he does it exceedingly abundantly above that according to his power that's at work within us we're also told to seek We must be willing to pursue God. We have to seek God out and how He does things. This morning, if you've already read today's readings and and looked on the blog and are are following along with me, then you've already you've already covered this because this is what today's uh, reading and blog post is about. But while we went to uh, when we were on our way to Enchanted Rock, we took the kids to Enchanted Rock this weekend and went and had some fun and did a little camping, got some rain on us and some hail and some raccoons and had all sorts of fun. Went through the cave and we had a blast. We just had a real good time. And uh, anyways, on the way there, then we have all the kids and they're watching the DVD player and my oldest son's listening to his uh, listening to his iPod and then he's asked me what's that what's this thing I said well plug your plug your iPod into that and I turned on the radio what's just a little FM transmitter so all of a sudden now Keenan had his very own radio station 88.7 so KEJC and uh he uh that's his initials <laughs> so Anyway, so he was playing that and, and taking requests, and he was being the DJ, and the kids were asking, play this song, play this song. And it was just pumping out through our car radio because of that little FM transmitter. And when we had to stop and get gas, we parked where the Moores were there, and Brandon Moore would had him dial his radio station into 88.7. And then they were in their car listening to uh what was going on keenan put it on mr postman and old carson busted out singing the carpenters mr postman and uh it's one of his favorite songs and so they're playing it on the radio well the deal is is for us to seek there's this great little button on our radios it's the seek button and in our lives, we very much like that, is that there are, since we get back to the truth of Deuteronomy thirty nineteen that have been set before us, life and death, blessing and cursing, having the knowledge of good and evil, we understand that there are two multiple choices in here. We are constantly bombarded with all sorts of foolish things to do. We're constantly bombarded with all sorts of the, the things that pertain to, to death and cursing. So we have to all purpose seek out the channel that God is bringing his truth into us. We have to dial that thing in. God's truth is coming to us. Our reading today there in in Proverbs um, chapter 2 verses 1 through 5 says for us to seek out wisdom. Because wisdom calls out, it's crying out, it's broadcasting wisdom's not hiding over there in the corner and trying to elude you and get away from you Whoop! you almost were smart Whoop, you almost had that one figured out you got away no wisdom is crying out wisdom says i want you to understand what to do with this st- situation i've got the answer but the deal is is we got to get through all the other stuff we've got to dial in we have to seek Hit the seek button. We have to dial in to the right frequency because God's is letting us know what it is we need to do and how he wants us to do things. First Chronicles sixteen, ten through eleven says, Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. I love it that it says, seek his face, <clears throat> seek his, his, his face, let's look at him, you know, when <clears throat> my, my wife is a beautiful woman, but she, when we have a conversation, she wants me to look her in the face. Why? Because that's where the expression is coming from, that she doesn't want me staring off into the corner or looking at how pretty her toes are with her paint and stuff on them. She wants me looking her in the face why wow, that's where relation that's where we're able to communicate we want to be seeking God's face because it's ultimately it's about our relationship with him God's hands are full he wants to bless us but it's not just about the things that are in his hands it's about the relationship it's about the face to face that's where we're supposed to be seeking God Psalms 9.10 says, those who know your name, those who know your name, oh, you'd be, that is so fun to study out the names of God. We don't have time to get into it this morning, but look at the names of God. When you know his name, and we talked about one of them, Jehovah Jireh, God our provider, Jehovah Rapha, God our healer. Jehovah Zitanu, God our righteousness, whenever you know his name. <clears throat> They will <clears throat> those who know your name will trust in you, for you Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you psalms thirty four ten says the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing, no good thing. those who seek the Lord will lack nothing that's good from God romans two seven says to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory honor and immortality he will give eternal life we have to seek him we have to pursue god that there's so many distractions in our lives there are so many different things and i'm sure that you're like me that you you when as soon as the your alarm goes off and your eyes hit Your mind is immediately flooded with all of the stuff of the day. And I'm telling you, I think one of the number one assignments that Satan has, and I'm not this guy who looks for the devil made me do it, or the demon in every corner, or all this silliness. But there is that we do have an enemy. And there is an assignment on us. And I think one of it is just keeping us distracted. I mean, it's just keeping us distracted. I mean, we have stuff. There's constantly stuff going on. There are times I just have to turn my computer off and turn my iPod off and turn everything and just just stop. Just stop. And just quiet down and seek God because he wants to speak. And when we seek God, he promises us we will find him. The last one on that, that list is for us to knock. And in knocking, we have to be willing to do what it takes to enter in. That's what knocking is about, is going up and doing what is required to enter in. There are the promises of God that are available for us. And sometimes we want to be the one who, who, just, gets, who just gets toted around. You know, oh, God, carry me here into this. And God, carry me into that. When God has made us, that is what is so beautiful. God has made us to rule and reign with him. God hasn't made us to be carried around on a little pillow. And he is, it is an incredible privilege that we get to rule and reign with him. So consequently, we have to be, we're choosers. We have to be able, be willing to do what it takes to go in and possess the things. Even when, when the Israelites were going in, they were given the land, but they had to do what it takes to enter in and to possess it. We are still that way today. There are so many promises and we have to do what it takes. We have to be willing to knock. We've got two little dogs Um, One of them is my dog. He's Hawker. Hawker's a great dog. A little of Apso. And he just kind of sits in the corner and comes up and says hi. And then stays out of the way for the most part. So, and uh, likes to be outside. And then we have another dog. That's my wife's dog. And uh, Paisley is, Shizu's were bred you know like you know that my dog my at least my little dog was at least bred to be an indoor guard dog you know he only bonds with one person he'll nip my children if they mess with him wrong I mean but he you know he made to do something you know a long-haired cute thing but it's bred to do something her dog was bred to sit on your lap and be pet that's what it was bred for it was bred for the royalty in the in the Tibetan region. They have those big old long robes and that thing would get up in there and crawl up in the robe. And they'd sit down and they'd crawl out and just sit on their lap and keep their laps warm. That's all it was bred to do. And that's all that dog wants to do. That dog comes up and it's not happy. till It's just right up in your business. She crawls up on there and just slowly snuggles up and just has that little wet nose. Just right up there and just wants you to pet her and she'll just stay there all day. And just let you pet her. And she does not like to be outside. It's a little paisley gives the the best vision of what I believe, because this knock tells us to knock, and it is a progressive deal. Knock and keep on knocking. Not just this. Oh, nobody's home. Like we used to do whenever we had to go and do a church church visitation or witnessing. Go up. Oh, nobody's home. Whew. I was really hoping to get to talk to that person about the Lord today it's not that kind of knocking it's not that kind of knocking it's the kind of knocking where you really want in you're like let me in please and Paisley knows how to knock Hawker he'll come to the door scratch a couple times you don't answer he don't care he just, he'll stay outside he's fine but Paisley she's an inside dog And she knows it, and she hates the outside. It's almost like she can feel it's dirty. It's dirty! And man, you let her outside, she goes out there just to do her business. She comes back in, and she'll just scratch, 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 scratch. And we've learned, just let her in. Because you can't ignore her. She will scratch and scratch and scratch, and then she'll start to bark and whine. And you scratch and scratch and scratch, and she does not quit until she gets into the house that is the kind of knocking that we have to be willing to do you know so our flesh so many times is not like doing things God's way and our spirit has to say you know what we're going to enter in and we're just going to keep being persistent until the whole train gets going and we're headed in this direction that's why Jesus says the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak so the spirit's got to be stronger and say we're going to go This way, we're gonna, this is what we're gonna do, and we have to decide to go this way and just keep all moving in that direction. God is, will meet us where we're at, and He will take us forward. God has taken us forward in Him, but we have to be willing to take the steps to go forward. We have to be willing to move forward. Psalms 100, verse verse 4 says enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and praise his name you want to be able to enter into the things of god man i tell you what you just turn on the thankfulness begin to think about all of the things that god has blessed you with begin to think about the different things. and so many times you just have to dial it back and you get back just to the fact that Oh, Lord, thank you, Lord, that I've got a pulse. I'm alive. Thank you, Lord, that I've got breath in my lungs. And there are people that have a hard time breathing and they didn't understand the preciousness of each breath. We take it for granted, but when you have to fight for them, it ain't any fun. And you say, oh, thank you, Lord, that I'm breathing. Oh, Lord, I had a meal today. Oh, God! thank you, Lord, that I got to eat There are people on this planet that they haven't eaten, and you begin to work out from there and just begin to move out from there, and all of a sudden you begin to see how much you are thankful for, and all of the other junk that tries to weigh you down, all the other stuff try to distract you, man, I tell you what you don't get you don't have to get very far into that list, and man, you've built a head of steam to get going into the things that god has called you to it is so easy for us so easy for me to get distracted about all of the other things that don't go quite right you know totally lose it because somebody cut us off it's just saying, oh thank god they didn't clip me and send me into the bar ditch you know instead i'm yelling out moron <laughs> see you at celebration church Moron. <laughs> and so not really. <laughs> and uh, <but> that's what <laughs> if you're not careful, that's what comes out. And so and instead, we just have to shift it. And that thankfulness helps us enter in. Matthew eighteen three says, and he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Man, I'm telling you, that's why that ministry that's happening next door is so much and so, so, so important. Because we have to try to become like a little kid to enter in. We have to have that kind of faith. They're already there. Why try to wait? until they've grown up and been jaded by life and had all sorts of stuff and, and then try to get them to to learn how to walk with God my gosh they're already at the age they're already the little kids. let's just teach them they can do it all the days of their lives man I'm just so thankful for all of you who have who have helped and have been a part of this we've got people who are ro- rotating and being a part of training up our kids Man, my kids come home and quote scriptures that I, the one that I taught them, some of you taught them. Changing our kids' lives. Changing them forever. That's the way we have to enter in. You and I have to do that so many times we have to learn from our kids. They'll show us the way, that's why the word says a little child will lead them. Because the way you get in, the way we enter into doing things God's way, it's like a little child. Hebrews 3.19 says, So we, have, we see <clears throat> that they were not able to enter in because of unbelief. One of the things that keeps us knocking without being able to enter in is that deal of, of sitting there of unbelief, of just flat unbelief reminds me of the deal of oh, when Peter gets out of jail miraculously and they're praying for him they're praying for Peter to get out of jail and then they get a knock at the door and the servant girl runs to the door and looks and it's Peter Woo! and she leaves him out there she shuts the door and, and he I mean, leaves it shut leaves him out there runs over and tells everybody and they think that she's lost it they're praying for him to be released and they're like they don't believe her that he's actually out that doesn't make any sense that's that's why we don't enter in it's that scenario right there is because of unbelief knocking but the door hinges never working because of unbelief our confidence is based in god's character Whenever we ask, seek, and knock, we so many times we extrapolate ourselves onto people and then we'll do that onto God. Well, I know me and I did this, and if I was God, what I'd, I'd put the thumb on me. I wouldn't put up with that junk out of me. We can't do that. We have to approach God based on His character, not on our character. Years and years ago, back in the... Uh, <clears throat> 1800s. There was a a guy called the Great Blondine, and uh, he was the first guy to cross Niagara Falls on walking on tightrope. And so that had been his life goal. He would started walking on walking tightrope when he was five years old, and he wanted to cross that that huge uh, that huge river and those huge falls. And the first time he finally first time he went to accomplish it, he he's Moat Going across and it takes him 20 minutes to do it. He stops in the middle. He's got his his 30 foot long pole weighing 40 pounds. He comes across and just to be a good showman, he's up there on his rope and he has this bottle with a uh, rope on it. And he stands up there balancing and lowers the rope, lowers the bottle down, gets some water out of the Niagara Falls, pulls it up, has him a drink at the halfway point and then finishes out. As he goes, of course, he has to become more and more spectacular through the years as he performs this trick over and over again. One of the times he uh, goes across in uh, his very last performance, he carries this table and chair and balances on this and eats cake and drinks champagne at this table on a tightrope over the deal. I mean, the dude was good. One time, somehow, I don't know how he did it, but history says that at one point, you know, he sticks in a wheelbarrow. Some, this stove deal, pushes this stove out and cooks an omelet out there in, on the tightrope over the Niagara Falls. He rides a bicycle across Niagara Falls. He does it blindfolded, Niagara Falls. He walks on stilts on a tightrope across Niagara Falls never falling, never having an incident none of these different things finally he decides that he's going to do this incredible feat and all these people all these years have watched this guy go across paying 25 cents a pop to catch the show watch him go never falling. and finally it comes time that he wants to do the most spectacular feat that he can do and that's to have somebody get on his back and go across he's carried the stoves in a wheelbarrow he's ridden a bike he's done all this kind of stuff and he can't get anybody all of these people believe he can do it you believe he that he can carry a man across in the crowd yes 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 who wants to be that man (laughs) see the deal is is as we are as we are becoming with with our walk with god then that we begin to shift from just believing that God can to believing that he will and I'm going to put my whole weight on him. The only person that would do it was his manager. And it's finally for the the sake of the show, his manager who had money on the line finally climbed on the great blondine's back and the great blondine... But the guy on his piggyback walks the deal, walks back, no problems, carries the guy back and forth. See our confidence comes not based in our in our own but based on what God has already done that's why we have the Bible and that's why it lays out the miracles that's why this gets told to us that's why we we have to it is so important that we are there sharing with each other the testimony and sharing what god is doing in each other's lives because we begin to see god's character in that and that allows us and builds our confidence we see whether he's that he's healed we see that he's provided we see that he's done and ultimately ultimately we see what the, the incredible love that he has given us through christ psalms 103 13 says as a father has compassion on his children so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. But, <clears throat> Ephesians two four five 5 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Our confidence comes from his character. He has already done so much for us. If he's going to provide Jesus, man, that ought to just boost our confidence. that He'll do anything. He'll provide and do anything for us. Absolutely anything. The last thing we're going to look at is what... Is verse 12 and verse 12 says and we we all know it well says so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophets you know this is always quoted as a standalone verse whatever you want others to do to you do unto them and the thing is, when we see this, we have to look at it in context. It has that old magical therefore in it. Yesterday, in the, as we read, we, we came across the, the therefore, and I talked about it in the, in the blog, and there was a, a preacher who had, had really taught me years ago, and it said, whenever you see a therefore, you have to wonder why, what it's there for. And you have to look back to understand the therefore verse. You have to look back and see why, what it is connected to. It's it's letting you know this is not a standalone verse. While understanding this, understand this. So whenever we look at that, we have just come out of understanding which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish... Will give him a snake, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus just goes through him with a, the story and understanding of a father giving a child what they've asked for, establishing God's goodness, establishing his character, establishing that God is a good God, immediately slips in to this very next thought. So therefore, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. The golden rule found right here in this thought flow shows us that these two great commandments... The two greatest commandments, the, the commandment of <clears throat> love God with all your heart and love your neighbor and yourself are connected together. And understanding God's goodness, because that's what it goes through. It goes through and lays out right before it, God's goodness. That if you know how to give good gifts, man, God's a better daddy than you are. Don't you think God's going to give you good things? It, it Laying out God's goodness. So if, with us understanding God's goodness and then wanting goodness from our fellow man it is only right that we should give out goodness it is the this the 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 the, this perfect circle it is the the practical application of loving god and loving others we understand that god is good and that he's going to he's going to provide good for us and we understand that man is at least capable of good because we expect goodness out of them we know when we've been wronged they should have acted better than that then with that understanding then it is only right for us to give goodness it's one of those things so many times we see it as this manipulative deal that do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You treat people good, so they'll treat you good. Nah, it's the fact that we expect others to, to, to treat us good. That's what we expect people to do for us. We're offended when they don't. And we understand that God is good, so it is only right that we should dispense and should give out goodness. Matthew 22 Verses 37 through 39 says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians chapter 4 says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but did not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law It's summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out. Or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. We ought to have boldness and confidence in approaching God. We're to ask of him, understand and recognize that he is our source. We're to seek and tune in to his way of doing things. We're to knock. we're to be persistent. We're not to just give up at the first sign of, of a little bit of struggle. And we understand that he loves us and he is good. And he will, he will provide those things. He will do it. And then, as we, are, as we are responding to that, then we ought to be vessels of that goodness of God. God always works through people. He always does. He always works through people. And if we're wanting God's goodness to be released through people to us, we have to be willing to be a channel of really being released, God's goodness being released through us.